Um, I've raised, and me and the wife have raised three kids. And um, I have a 32-year-old, my goodness, 31-year-old. Wow. So anyway, he's up there in age, and uh, 31. And so, um, you know, you get creative when you have children. You're trying to put as much food on the table as you can because they are going to consume every ounce of it, especially boys. I don't know about girls. I know nothing about girls, but guys, when they can eat, they eat. And so I got really creative. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop by Aldi and pick up some uh, off-brand stuff just to put out there and see what happens. So I, every Tuesday and Thursday night was my night to cook. My wife's cutting hair. It's my night to cook. So I went and bought that. Well, it was off-brand macaroni and cheese, okay? And so I just thought they would never know, right? So I made that up oh, real good. I stirred it up real good. And I noticed as I stirred it, it was a different type of yellow than the other brand. It, it, it looked a little bit orange looking. And so I mixed it up real good, and I thought, they'll never notice. They'll never notice. So I put it down there, and they sat down, and it didn't take two seconds. They're looking at you like, what is that? They're like, what is that? What is that? What is that? They go, Dad, that's fake. That's fake. I'm not going to eat it. And they didn't eat it. They would not touch it. And I get it because I didn't touch it either. I was like, I am not going to eat that. I mean, not that it wasn't good for you, I guess, but anyway. Have you ever been around somebody who's a fake? How about Judas Iscariot? Was he a fake? Yeah, he was a fake. And uh, today in Revelation chapter 6, that's where we are. Um, we're tackling the book of Revelation here at Red Church, and so we're on chapter 6. We've already seen, at the very beginning, we've seen Jesus himself walking amongst the candlesticks. Um, there in chapter 1, and the, the candlesticks are the churches. And so right now, if you don't realize it, Jesus is walking around the church. I don't see him. <laughs> He's here. I wish we could see him right now. Um, wouldn't that be amazing to see the Lord Jesus? Matter of fact, one day, one day, we're going to see him, and I cannot wait for that. But he's walking. So chapter 2 and chapter 3, he decides to write these letters to the church. We looked at those and the, the, the letters there, and, and go back if you want to refresh your memory on that. And then you got to chapter 4, where the throne room of God, and, and there he is on the throne. And then chapter 5, last week, they were looking at the Father had this scroll in his hand, and everybody in heaven's like, well, who can open it up? Who's worthy? Who's worthy? And, of course, we know it was Jesus Christ was the one who's worthy to open the, what, the seals and pop those seven seals. And, um, but today, if we look at chapter 6, we're going to start looking at what we call the tribulation period. And do you all have that diagram of the, uh, yeah, go ahead and flash that up. So we're looking at um, this time period where right now we're at Red Church, and so we're still in the church age. Jesus has not come back yet, just so you know. Thessalonians says, all right, that he has not come back yet. We will know when Jesus comes back, okay? You'll know, all right? And the whole world will know. And so right where that little, that little curve intersects there, right there where it says the rapture going up, that is exactly when Jesus Christ will come back to get his church. The church will be gone, and then something called the tribulation will start for seven years. 
And once that tribulation starts, there are all kinds of judgments that the Lord is going to put upon the earth. And he does that because he can't be um, other than what he is. He is the Almighty One. And so today, we're going to look at this chapter 6, just the first verse, and then we're going to make a... Because here's, here's the deal. When I was in high school, I had this English teacher... Um, and you all don't go, you know, you reminisce a little bit about high school. Let me kind of bring you back a little bit. My, but my English teacher, um, he loved to use the record player. And he'd go, what the record player? He would put a record on the record player, and he would play it, and we would read and follow in the book. And the one he loved the most was the play Macbeth. Have you ever read Macbeth? Or maybe in high school, and and. Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, and they were, he killed Duncan. He became the king of Scotland, and then he was remorseful, and then he went through the agony and the pain and, and all that record. <laughs> the guy read the book or the play Macbeth to you as we followed along. It was terrible. It was gruesome. It was, it was, it was the last period of high school, right? And I looking outside, I couldn't wait to leave, and that thing, <laughs> playing Macbeth, I couldn't. But when you look at this, we need to know who's involved in this play. Who's involved in this tribulation period? Who are the players? We're not here. So who's here? What's going on in those seven years? Well, you have this false fake triad that forms. You have, have you ever heard the word antichrist? You ever, I don't have one today, I should have brought one. Um, you know the monster cans, the big monster drinks that y'all drink? And you're good for 12 hours after? You're bouncing around, you know. What happened? How you doing? Well, have you noticed on the front can, it's got those claw marks on there? Yeah, that, that's, 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 some, that's some Hebrew writings there. It scrapes, and it's just not there by happenstance. And so it is a monster, all right? Because <laughs> that, that vav, that wall, that, that vav mark, there's three of them. The vav, yeah, yeah. Have you studied any of that writing? It's the number six. See, the, the, the scratch, the one scratch is a six. And the second scratch is a six. And the third scratch is a six. It's the, it's the Aleph, the Beth, the Gimel, the Dalit, the He, the Vav. The, that's the number six in Hebrew. It's the mark of the beast on that can. Just so you know. That's what it is. And so, you think that in that Tribulation period they had on their on their on their maybe on their hand or their head. And let's take a look here. Let's Revelation chapter six. Who are the players during this tribulation period? I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. So Jesus opened the seal. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come! I looked, and there before me 
was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Commentators say that that right there is the Antichrist riding in his white horse. I was going to show you some slides of those who were important in, in years past who rode white horses, you know, the white stallions and all that, and, and, um, but I bypassed that. Looking here, here is one who wants something he cannot have. He creates a false triad and tries to be what he cannot be. The position he wants belongs to only one. He mimics the one he's trying to be, and he's thrown out and will eventually meet his doom. His goal now is to take as many with him as he can. The fake, the deceiver, the fraud. I know it's dramatic, right? I keep hearing that. There's that record player going around in my head. Well, you have this person who wants to act and be like God himself. He's so proud of himself. Have you ever been proud of yourself? Nothing wrong with that. But when it gets prideful to where you think you're something, you ever done that? You've seen someone walking around like, You're like, about 40, you're thinking, I got it going on. 50, I know I didn't have it going on. 60, what was I thinking? I got it going on, right? But here is someone who was created way back. And he creates this false triad. Because you know what he's trying to do? He's mimicking God. God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. You ever heard of that? The Trinity. So here's Satan himself, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. See how he sets it up? Let's take a look at that today. And I don't like to give him any place in this pulpit area, but one thing I know, it's know your enemy. Know your enemy. Right? So, if there's any good intel in the house, it's right here. This has got some good intel. Matter of fact, as Sister Marie said, are you reading the Word? It's good for you. This is Matter of fact, it's amazing to me how many bits and pieces. There's a piece here, there's a piece there, there's a piece here, piece there. Isn't that crazy? How It's not like it's, like it's all written just perfectly like, Let's talk about the Antichrist, okay? Right here's a section of Antichrist. Right here's about the blessings of God. No, it's, it's all over the place. And I like that because it's like searching for gold. Who likes to search for gold? I love searching for gold. It's great. Gold nuggets, that is, in the Word of God. So let's take a look here at this false trinity. There's Satan, the dragon, that old serpent, the devil. Then there's the Antichrist, the beast. Then there's a false prophet. It says in Revelation 16, 13, it says this. Revelation 16, 13 says, Then I saw three impure spirits that looked like 
frog. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. John wrote that. John saw that. It's like a frog. You ever seen a frog? A frog's kind of weird looking. I mean, frogs, especially those kind of, kind of you know, you know, you've seen those, right? You know, my science guy that I taught around all for years, Mr. Uh, science, his name is Bob, Mr. Bob, and he had this green one, this little dinky little green thing. It, what in the world? That's so cool. He was Mr. Science. He lives in my neighborhood. He's so cool. But these. These things, this fake Christ. So Satan himself, his main objective, you know what his main objective is? It's that first part of John 10 10 that says that what? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the objective. He he asked a question, he was asked a question one time by God himself in Job 1 7. It says, The Lord said to Satan in Job, says, Where have you come from? Because everybody had to check in. Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. See, Satan desires to be worshipped, just like God the Father. He desires that. Matter of fact, let's take a look at his very beginnings. And in Isaiah 14, it says this. Isaiah 14, 12 says this. It says that, have you fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn? You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. This is talking about Satan himself. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars. I will sit in throne to the mount of assembly and upmost heights of Mount Jephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. He just keeps looking. He's just, he's real prideful. This is Satan himself. But you were brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Matter of fact, he was thrown what? Thrown down here to the earth. And even in Ezekiel, he talks about how beautiful he is. He was, he was the seal of perfection. He was a guardian cherub. And it says, though, his heart became very prideful. This guy, this angel, was beautiful. He was leading worship, singing. He was a cherub, the protector. Yet, in his heart, became prideful. And that is our what? That's our enemy. That's our enemy. Matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 10, he goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Can you imagine being there? When he looked at him and said, you, know, you don't belong here. Get out of here. And he cast him down to the earth. What would that look like? Like lightning from the sky. Well, what about, what about, his angels that Satan has. He does. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So don't you know that he had a third of the angels that went with him? Isn't that messed up? Is it just me, or is it just you, that sits around and thinks, okay, that happened back then. What's to say that an angel today couldn't rebel against God and do the same thing. Isn't that weird? I don't want to throw anything, any kind of wrenches in your theology, but isn't that kind of weird to think that that could happen in heaven? 
War in heaven? That's the last place I'd want to have war. But there was the war, and he was cast out of heaven. What's his character like? What is Satan like? He is the adversary. He's the one who opposes and attacks. Matter of fact, the word says that he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may what? Devour. That's our enemy. He's our enemy. Pastor Ben, why are you why are you saying all this? You need to know your enemy. You need to know what he's trying to do. He wants to kill your family. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to come in and cause havoc in your family. Well, what can I do as a Christian? What can I do? You know what you can do? I don't usually wear a coat. You can read this word. You can pray this word. You can get together in twos and threes, pray together. You can believe together. You can speak in tongues. You can get together corporately and pray, right? You can stand against the enemy. You can, Ephesians 6, you can put on the full armor of God and fight. Take your stand. Why? Because the Spirit of Almighty God that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Did you realize that? Or is it just, did you realize who lives within you? I was reading today, John 14 and 15. It was kind of my warm-up this morning. I got up. You know, we lost an hour last night, right? Did you feel it? You felt it, yeah. Yeah, I can y'all are all tired. You're looking really wore out this morning. You look a little. I got up. It was still early. I had a cup of coffee, and I was sitting there going, wife sleeping, dog sleeping. My son, I don't know where he is. And I didn't know where he was. I had no clue. And, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, where are you? Holy Spirit said, I'm right here. Oh, yeah, Holy Spirit's right here. He goes, I'm pretty awesome. I said, oh, you're awesome. You're so awesome. He goes, read about me. Okay, I started reading. He goes, and it says, I'll be with you forever, James. I went, that's what I'm talking. He goes, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. Amen. I was like, hey, I almost had a Holy Ghost time there in the living room. I thought I'd be with her. Take it easy. It's early. Yeah, this adversary, he likes to slander. You know, I like to talk to you. You know what he says? Ah, you're nothing. You're absolutely nothing. You're amount to nothing. You know what I say? Step aside. I know who I am in Jesus Christ. For he created me the way I am for a very specific reason. Even though I may have these pores that are large, or even though I may have things that are going on in my life. It doesn't matter. You ever look at your ears? Like mine's like about a half an inch off. Is it just me? I'm going, is it me or just the way I'm sitting? Maybe it's my seat. It's like like the the ears just, (laughs) no, I know you're looking, you're going, is it? Is it? Is it? Right? It's just me. We just stand in the mirror and we look. Just, you know, how is it? It's just me. 
See, he wants you to think that you're nothing. But see, in Christ, you are amazing. You're beautiful. What did we talk about last week? The flower. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Amen? You're beautiful. So this adversary, he's also a trickster. Remember Genesis 3? He came as a serpent. He goes, doesn't that look good? Well, yeah. Well, you, you could eat that and kind of be full. Yeah. And God didn't really say that you don't have to touch that fruit. Well, he did. No, he didn't say that. He just doesn't want you to be like him. You know what he's trying to do? Trick you. Why? Because he knows his destiny, and he will take you there with him. What a horrible place to go. It's not one of those nice bread and breakfast places. No, it's not. Have you read the book? It's not a place you want to go. And he knows his doom. He's the prince and God of this world. He's like, he calls him the morning star. I'm like, what is that? So where, what is his work? His work is to oppose God. His sphere of influence is in the air. What are his limits? Oh, I like this. What are his limits? Does, is he limited? Yes. Did you know that when he messes with you, that you can limit him? Did you know that? You can limit him. How do you do that? At the very end of today, we're going to learn how. Oh, tell me now. You got to try it. You want to try it? This is what you do. It's a little small word. It has two letters. No! You got you to try it sometime. No! When he tells you to do something that you know is wrong, when you grab it for that cupcake, you should write with it. Right? No! That is not what I'm going to do. That's not who I am in Christ. Right? So, we give him the length of rope. You can shorten that thing and say, no, cut it. His destiny is the lake of fire forever. Forever. Okay, that's Satan. What about his right-hand man, the anti? Well, I'm reading here in first, second, third John. First John, it says here that 2.18 says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you know, I've heard that the Antichrist is coming. Well, even now, many Antichrists have come. What? So there's more than one Antichrist? I'm confused. What's he saying? He's saying that many have come in fear of the Antichrist. So what does the word Antichrist mean? Anti carries with it the thought of instead of or substitute or false Christ. Maybe a better way to, to kind of say that is anti or is against, like against Christ. Or if you're anti something, you are against it. So in other words, what? The Antichrist is against who? Christ. He doesn't like him one bit at all. He will achieve worldwide control through his plan of peace. He will be in position for the entire seven-year 
tribulation. He will be an intellectual genius. He will be an incredible orator or a speaker. He will be a political genius. He will be a commercial genius. This Antichrist is going to look like, wow, like an angel of light. Like, man, he knows what he's talking about. Man, he's incredible. Yeah, he can speak well. He will be a religious genius. He will begin by controlling the Western power block, Revelation 17. He will make a seven-year covenant with Israel, but will break it after three and a half years, Daniel chapter 9. He will attempt to destroy all of Israel, Revelation 12. He will destroy the false religion system so that he may rule unhindered, Revelation 17. He will set up himself as God, Daniel 11. He will briefly rule over all the nations, Psalm 2, Daniel 11. He will utterly crush, be crushed by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the battle of Armageddon, Revelation 19. He will be the first creator thrown into the lake of fire, Revelation 19. He will be a master of deceit, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He will be profane the temple in Matthew 24. He will be energized by Satan himself. Revelation 13, he will do everything according to his own selfish will, Daniel 11. He will have no regard for God in the, what all in his fathers, Daniel 11. He what, will proclaim himself to be God himself and a God of all power, Daniel 11. This guy, this Antichrist, is what? Is a person. Where does this Antichrist come from? Don't, they don't even kind of, where does he come from? Who is this guy? Well, if you're looking at dates, he kind of threw some things out there. I liked what he had to say. He said that, all right, Daniel chapter 7, it talks about those ten horns. And then how this one little small horn came up and uprooted three horns. They're like, what? Well, Daniel, I think chapter 8 kind of discusses a little bit of that and says that those horns were kingdoms. And those three horns and the one four horns, and those four horns, they're like, what are you talking about, Pastor Zen? These are kingdoms that are already in existence. And those, he says, are Greece, Turkey, Syria, and Egypt. And Dakes thinks the Antichrist is coming from Syria. I have no idea, but he's coming from one of those places, Greece, Turkey, Syria, or Egypt. Keep your eyes on that. We won't be here. Thank the Lord for that. So this false trinity also has this other person that's a prophet that likes to prophesy and, and to be able to speak well as well. He's called the second beast, and he what? He, the false prophet will look like the lamb and will speak like a dragon, and the false prophet's duty is to cause inhabitants of the earth to worship the first beast and thus fulfilling the third part of the false trinity. This is what? A wolf in sheep's clothing. Enough of that. That's our enemy. So if he was mocking the Lord, then what is the true and living and powerful and awesome trinity? It's God the Father. It's God the Son. It's God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the great provider. You read in the Old Testament, he's always what? Providing for his people. Just the fact you're here today, you're provided for. You have food to eat, a place to live. We're blessed. God a provider. Matter of fact, when he took care of the Israelites, their clothes never wore out and their, their shoes never, what, would wear out. It says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, 
God's love for us. It says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows with God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. You know what? He loves us so very. He's, he's all about love. He's all about that. He loves having love. He just loves his people and he wants us to love each other. And so he's all about that so much that he would give us the Holy Spirit and give us his only son, that we would what? Be totally cleansed, and therefore the Holy Spirit will be with us forever. Forever, forever in John 14. And he what? He intercedes for us. Matter of fact, Jesus is right now, he's interceding for you right this very moment. So Jesus, he grabbed a towel one day. He had disciples all around. And he took that towel, and he put it around his waist, and he bent down, and he washed his disciples' feet. Would you want someone to wash your feet? I don't know. I, my feet the other day weren't looking too good, right? Matter of fact, I got out at QT the other day. I'm going to put some gas in the car. I'm going to get me a quick drink. And I noticed on the ground. It was disgusting. Somebody, I guess, was fueling their car, and they must have swung out their seat there, and they must have got their clippers out. And they were huge, like huge toenail clippings. They weren't fingered. They were, they were, oh, like the, the hanging kind. You know what? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like those, those, oh, those, those, you know, when you get older, those, those, those yellow kind. Oh, I'm going, oh, oh, can you imagine? Oh, love your brother. You know, we got Alex back. He's another four years in the military. Thank you for serving the country. This is Wash's feet, and he hasn't, he hasn't took care of his feet in 25 years. Oh, my gosh. There's that toenail. He's trying to get that, 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 that you know, that, that, that world book record, the longest toenail ever. Got to cut that toenail off and kind of wash it a little bit, get the, get the toe jam out. Oh, yeah. Alex, we love you, man. Rub it down. Lord bless you. Oh, next one. There's Suli. Oh, my gosh. He wanted us to know how much he loved us. And Peter goes, whoa, whoa. Not going to wash my feet. Brother Chris, would you come? Not going to wash my feet. And, and the Lord Jesus said, Peter, it's me. Oh, yeah, I'll wash your feet. Where's that bowl of water? Wash your feet. I didn't take, I forgot. That was good, right? I didn't even think about that. That's good. And Peter's like, no, no, no. And Jesus said, hey, unless, unless I wash your feet, you have no part in me. You have no part. None in Jesus. Peter said, well, not just my feet, but my hands and my head too. Then just wash away, Jesus. I like Peter. I'm telling you, check that out. That Jesus, check that out. Why is he upset? I'm not wrong. She's wrong and I'm right. One hour goes by, two hours. Sun's getting closer, going down. He 
says, another one. You know, the Bible says, don't, don't, yeah, you know that, that scripture. Don't. Yes. Beautiful night, isn't it, honey? <laughs> God sure can. I still like it. See, Peter found out what it was all about being clean. Because, see, he didn't want to miss that boat, that good old gospel ship. That's imperial command. Because, see, when he comes back, he's looking for those that he's washed. Ah, I know those pair of feet. <laughs> I wash those feet. Come on. Has he washed your feet? Has he? Have you allowed him? To wash your feet? It's called something called grace. I like grace. We got grace. It says in Titus 2, it says, For the grace of God has appeared. You have to ask. Grace is a voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. Grace connected to change. That's Max Licato. Grace is God's surprising invitation to be forgiven when we've done wrong. To be free when we've lived bound. To receive kindness when good sense would tell us to brace ourselves for reprimand. Grace, amazing grace. You know, we know our enemy now, right? But better than that, getting to know the Lord is amazing. He's so amazing that he wants you to thrive. He wants you to have life and life more abundant. Does he not? He does. He does. So much that he puts you in a body of believers. That's why it's important to be in a body of believers. Because when you're down, somebody else is up. I'm down, Brian's up. Praise God. Brian's down, I'm up. Praise God. We can help each other, right? Or if we're both down, <laughs> Greg better be up. Right? Greg, I'm down too. Oh, my God. Leo, help! We got three down. Right? Because we're in this journey together as a family. And family sticks together. Sometimes it gets ugly. Sun's going down. Yep. Sun's going down. Day's almost over. Meaning, time's almost over. Jesus is coming back. And this false one that wants to take you to be where he's at, he ain't got nothing to offer. He has nothing to offer you. 
Do you rather, would you rather have, okay, this or that? Would you rather have, I'm thinking, you ain't got nothing. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self, I mean, yeah. Hatred, discord. Whatever, right? Is there any comparison? I don't think so. So we have to practice. It says in verse 12, it says, it teaches us what does the grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. 